0: It's Sarah May, and here's another episode of Help Me Be Me. Uh, Today I'm talking about fear of love and intimacy. So this is really about why people are incapable of commitment and basically that kind of love when you're really close and you get to know somebody. Um, So this is for anyone who has been in a happy relationship and then their partner suddenly pushed them away. Or maybe gradually started distancing as soon as things got real or beyond the initial stage, I guess, of infatuation and courtship. A.K.A. you fell for a person who had a fear of intimacy. Or this is also for if you are a person who suffers from a fear of intimacy and you don't know why, but you find yourself bailing as soon as someone starts to really like you or things Start to become serious. Some people call this, or or sometimes this is tied to uh, an avoidant attachment style. And it's something that I see often in my one on ones. And I thought it warranted a podcast episode. So if you're in either of those groups, I will also put some helpful reading in the show notes. And because I am directing this at two opposite audiences, I might jump back and forth between who I'm identify who I am identifying with. So sorry in advance if that gets annoying. Um, I just don't want if you're listening, I don't want you to feel like you're on the side that's left out. So hopefully it'll stay clear as I'm talking. As per usual, there are three parts: the what, the why, and the how. The tools. All right, here we go. Part one: the what. A habit loop that begins with a person pursuing another person intensely, often when that person doesn't really seem interested in them at all. So maybe, maybe you're kind of you see someone new at work, or you see you meet somebody out and about, and you're kind of like, not my type. Not super into that person. And they go for it. They pitch you really hard. They woo you with all their might. Maybe they tell you all the things they love about you. They buy you gifts. They want to wine and dine you. Um, and they introduce. They talk about. Wanting to have kids with you one day. They seem so ready and so serious and completely like laying it out on the table, like put it, pouring their heart out. And because of that, you're like, fuck, all right, maybe I should consider. I I don't know. I mean, this person really seems to like me. They really seem to like be interested in everything about me, all of my passions. They're showing in in all these different ways, like how invested they are. So Despite the fact that you weren't into them, you start to kind of like them. You're like, all right, I'll give this a shot. Not not my normal type, but all right, well, I'll entertain it. And then you start dating, and they seem pretty awesome. And you're like, I can't believe they haven't been snapped up already. It seems like this person would be pff, married with five kids by now. So you start to get to know each other. You really like who they are, and things seem pretty great. And they also give you lots of space, so you, you have room to feel intrigued. You, they let you kind of be you, and you kind of have, you know, they're like, they have that pull where you're like, huh, they haven't called me lately. I'm, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they're interested still. So you start to be a little bit more, you know, pursuing them back. Um, and it seems like the more you like them, the more ready you become to be in, like, a a real legit relationship with them the more you find yourself waiting around and waiting for a phone call waiting for a text and then it doesn't come or you're like now we would be making vacation plans and now we would be maybe going back to where they grew up or stuff stuff like that you're anticipating it it doesn't really come up or doesn't happen and you're like all right maybe i don't need it i don't need it uh and then you eventually start to get pissed off because you're trying to make some plans, you're trying to do all the stuff your friends do, and maybe you finally have a confrontation with them and you say, look, I need more than X, Y, Z. This is bullshit. I want to do blank. And they feel like completely taken aback. And they're like, what? I mean, I've I've had work. I've had blank. I've, I have to travel for blah, 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 et cetera. It's an excuse. And they're like, they think you're crazy, basically. And then you're like, all right, fuck, okay. At least they responded and at least I got laid. So now you're kind of in a holding pattern of like things are okay for a little while. Then you kind of feel like emotionally starved or time starved. And then you get really pissed off. And then you have a confrontation and they're like, you're crazy. But then you kind of make nice again. And you you just tolerate it because deep down you don't want to say goodbye to this relationship. But you are feeling like you're not getting enough. And you're feeling unseen and you're not super happy, but you survive on crumbs, emotional crumbs from them, because you don't want to – it's not worth completely giving up and you don't really want to let go. And because you get so little time from them at this stage, you don't want to waste time complaining anymore. So you just kind of – you stop bringing up all your needs all the time because it's just going to sour the relationship. But you do find that they are leaving you completely out of their considerations uh, when it comes to stuff like the holidays or some event that's really important to you, like a wedding. It's like they they suddenly decide they're not going to go or stuff like that. You're like, what the fuck? And maybe at that stage you finally say, enough, and you break it off. But... A few months later, they come back, and they come back hard, and they say everything you've ever wanted to hear, and that they're so sorry, and that they love you, and then you repeat the cycle again. Or maybe you you know you should break it off. Your friends are like, break it off, dude, and you're like, I can't, though. I really, I just can't. And so you're just kind of like waiting, a constant state of waiting, and being disappointed, and barely getting enough, and them... Distancing and telling you uh, you shouldn't be asking for more. Okay, flipping sides now. So if you're the distancer, let's backtrack to the beginning of the relationship. So this starts off by, you know, you have a pretty, I would say, autonomous lifestyle. Maybe you love your job, you're all about work, or you're all about travel, you take road trips solo, or you just really, like, are into that sports team. And you plan on settling down one day eventually, but you just haven't met the right person. And when it comes to this most recent mate, maybe you met a person that you thought was really cute, uh, you pursued them, you really, really liked them, and you fell hard. You brought your A game You wind them, you dine them, you showed the fuck up. You really could see everything with this person. You told your friends about them. You imagined having amazing vacations with them. You maybe even imagined marrying them. And you thought, I want that. I want that person. So you gave them gifts and you wooed them. You did all the right things and you finally made it happen and you started dating. And you finally consummated this intense passion for this other person. And yay, it's awesome. And then as soon as that happens, you kind of feel ill. Maybe you feel like you don't like them at all. You don't want to see them anymore. Maybe you even feel angry at them for crowding you. And maybe they just change and they start calling you for plans and you think, God, what the fuck is the deal? Can I not have some breathing room? And you start to push away. Or maybe you start feeling like overwhelmed and panicked. And you're like, I don't, I need space. I just need space. I just need to get out of town. I just need a change of scenery or maybe you just are like I need to be me I need to do my thing I need to go back into my routine Um, and in your mind you're really just trying to not hurt their feelings but just have your own life again and because they're starting to annoy the fuck out of you and maybe you just got really busy with work and other stuff and they keep crowding you and you're not sure you're even attracted to them anymore and they're clingy and it's just getting worse Maybe you try and appease them, but they just complain about everything you did wrong. And it's just not fun to be around them anymore. And it seems like they're just talking about moving in already or vacationing already. And you're not ready for that kind of shit because you just seems like you just got together. So in short, you either start to push back um, and push them away by making them want to leave. Or you're freaking out and panicking and you just bail as soon as someone likes you back, or things get too close for comfort. Which brings me to part two, the why. So first I want to say that there are all sorts of different reasons for this thing I'm calling fear of intimacy. It could be a recent relationship that burned you and you're terrified of getting hurt again. But I'm not concerned with you if if that's you, most likely because that will fade when you meet the right person. Um, So I'm going to address the more unseen and lasting kind of cause, the one that's tied to family of origin and your general upbringing. And that means just your experiences growing up, and often you can't really remember them. Because this is all about fear of intimacy, I'm going to be focused on that person's upbringing first. And that will be, I'll touch on the person that gets clingy to a person with a fear of intimacy, but... This is really just about the person that cannot be intimate and fears it. Um, And I'm going to call this group the Huskies because they're sled dogs and they run and run and run without stopping or thinking about it. And then the other group I'm going to call the Bear Cubs because they cling and they want to cuddle, and if you run away, they chase you because why not? Okay, first let's talk about Huskies. Before I get into what might have caused this particular uh, fear in you. I want to start with a little bit of background. So dissociation is what is they call it when you're so overwhelmed emotionally, maybe you're fit, maybe you're scared, or you're full of anguish. So much so that you leave your body. So during these kinds of experiences, stress hormones will shut down the part of your brain that records memory. And whenever a um, memory is stored, it's kind of it's just an impression of a feeling, and it's tied to loose imagery or their their associations. It's like think of it like a cloud, a cloud of sensory input. It's not like a linear narrative uh, that can be recalled easily. So, when a memory that is associated with this is triggered, it will kind of go to the same area of senses. It'll it'll use the same search term, but it'll bring up a buried sense of distress. It'll it'll conjure that feeling and, like, these random weird sensations. It won't bring up the, like, you know, the little head movie that's replaying the time you fell off your bike. Your brain basically builds associations so it can anticipate new associations to protect you. So we store all of similar feeling memories in the same part of our brain. So when kids are really overwhelmed and they don't record their memories, what is, uh, Instead, retained is like these intense fragments of information. And those are called implicit memories versus explicit. So an explicit memory is something like, I fell off my bike when I was at camp. It was really hot that day, and I cried in the nurse's office, and I wet my pants. That's a very specific head movie. And implicit memory is just like a feeling that comes up, and it has no real specific source. It's just like an intense, overwhelming uh, texture and it might have like flashes of visuals but or or you know moods but it's it's something that causes you drives you uh usually motivates you to do something despite what you have mentally chosen for yourself so you might say like I'm not going anywhere and then you're like fuck I got to get out of here that's like the drive so what is kept in your memory when your brain is not hitting the record button is um Is basically what happens when you get so overwhelmed emotionally. So things like, for example, being really scared and not knowing what to do when your parents fought. Or feeling ashamed and guilty when you got yelled at by your mom. Or feeling desperately alone and wanting attention but not getting any attention from your parents because they're on drugs or they're depressed. So when you get super overwhelmed and you're a tiny human, you go blank. It's kind of like when you're on Ambien. So the same part of your brain is shut off. So you will not have an explicit memory. You'll just have the associations and the images that are intense and overwhelming. So what happens is, as an adult, you will still feel those triggers based on the implicit memories, but you won't know why or how they came about or or really what, they're, what the source is. They're not integrated. So the reason they're not placed in order is because of your body going into that heightened state. It's just, you don't you never stored them properly. So if you're a husky, I'm going to give you a simple rule of thumb. If you find yourself acting despite what you've mentally decided for yourself, like if you've mentally chosen in your mind said, I want love, I want intimacy, I want to be in a committed long-term relationship, and then you find in your behavior that you are incapable of that, Like, you can't help but blow up a relationship, start a fight, push someone away, or freak out and bail and, like, go on a bender or cheat or whatever it is, then that is a clue that you have some unprocessed trauma. You have old implicit memories that are acting against you that you can't probably remember, um, and they're tied to your parents or your caregivers, how do I know that they're tied to your parents? because it's it's related to relationships when things are um, this thing that you're ha- that is happening to you is tied to intimacy and relationships. that is your trigger. Intimacy and being loved powerfully evoke specific feelings in you, creating some sort of flashback. So if you were um let's say you were the person who was in a relationship with a person with a fear of intimacy, your love and closeness and or needs for love and closeness triggered the fragmented sources of that person's pain from their primary experiences of intimate relationships, a.k.a. parents. It's, you can match it really clearly. That's your association. This is danger. So if you're the person who tur- turns off and freaks out or hates someone as soon as they like you know that you have some invisible, blocked, unrememberable triggers associated with relationships, a.k.a. one or both of your parents. So I'm going to take you through a couple different scenarios to try on for size if you are a husky. So the first scenario, number one, uh, you're a left-brainer, plain and simple. So maybe you're really into your career you are very autonomous. You're good with rules, facts, figures, numbers, books, etc. You're just a left-brained kind of person. You're very rational. You're very detail-oriented, um, academic. You're not a flowery, emotive, touchy-feely, artsy kind of person. So if that sounds like you, how this issue came about for you is probably because you had cold and dismissive parents. Or you had parents who were really inconsistent in how they responded to you. So you got physically stressed out by that. When a kid grows up with that kind of parenting, they compensate for the coldness in their parents by basically shutting off their right brain and leaning more into their left brain. So these kinds of parents make for an avoidant baby. And in that experience, you you basically take refuge in logic and rules. Other clues? you maybe don't have a strong set of memories about your childhood. Maybe if someone was to ask you about your childhood, you would say, my parents were fine. didn't affect me much. My childhood didn't have much bearing on me. So that just signals low right brain function, meaning you're just less emotional and you're less able to get in touch with the feelings of others because very early on that was cut off due to neglect. And because leaning left kind of fucks with your ability to record linear narrative memories, You might also not be able to describe childhood memories of your parents in, like, a complete way. It might be just very vague and disjointed. And that's because your right brain, like, emotions are what allow us to record our memories into, like, kind of linear, integrated narratives. That's, like, what marks them is, like, the emotional, um, it's, like, what time stamps it. And when you stop using your emotional brain, it just compromises that ability in you. So if you have a disjointed narrative, like if you're unable to like recall uh, meaningful memories from your childhood, that also just points to unresolved trauma in your past. Um, Okay, that's possible scenario number two, number one. Here's scenario number two you were potentially shamed by parents. More likely, I'm going to guess the opposite gender, but could be either or both. So if you had unavailable parents who were also punishing and hostile and mean and angry toward you, that creates kind of like a toxic humiliation. It's like it it brings up a very specific reaction, chain reaction in the body It starts with um, really rallying to get attention, vying for love, vying for closeness, and then the response initiates shame. We need to be seen and understood by our parents. And if we're not, we develop a belief that we are inherently bad and wrong, and that inherent shame makes us feel like no one should love us or accept us, like no one should want us or adore us. And if someone does, that person is stupid and doesn't deserve love. So this creates what Dr. Daniel J. Siegel calls a conquest repulsion cycle. Another label for this pattern is dopamine surge behavior pattern. So it's created by a physiological process during childhood where your body your body's basically hitting both pedals um it's hitting the gas aka you're vying for attention and your parent responds inconsistently or with anger and punishment and in other words you're not validated or loved in this moment of need and then the nervous system activates the brakes aka the parasympathetic nervous system so that creates the physiolo- physiological response to similar to shutting down and that's it creates a feeling of shame it causes, like, nausea and downcast eyes. You physically shrink. And because of how intense the feeling is for a kid, it's not recorded. Your, your adult self will not be aware of your sense of shame. You will have it implicitly but not explicitly. So present day, this is in your experience, followed by anger and resent, from you toward your partner, because it mirrors the original relationship that caused it. So when the original pattern is recreated, a person wants love from you, and then you feel disgust and intense anger, and you're mirroring your parent because they responded to you with intolerance to this very, very dangerous feeling, which is, I need you and I want to be seen and I want to be loved. That's the dangerous feeling. So in that moment, there's really nothing for you to do except for run away or get your partner to leave you by acting unlovable to them. So in general, this scenario, the shame comes from three different sources. It can come from three different sources. Parents who react with anger, parents who give confusing signals, um, inconsistent signals, or parents that are just emotionally unavailable. All right, let's get to husky scenario number three. Neediness being a trigger. So if you're a sensitive and fearful kid and you are criticized by your parents for having needs or being too clingy, you will learn very quickly that you must stuff those feelings away. Otherwise, you will be abandoned and not loved. For a kid, having emotional needs and closeness will actually turn into a feeling of panic. If you have that, because it's like, you know, you're not supposed to feel that way. So let's say your, your mom was like, stop being such a pussy. Then you'll tell yourself like, I can't express fear. I can't act like I'm a wimp. I have to be strong. And you you just swallow that feeling whenever, whenever you feel needy and clingy, you just have to, you tell yourself, man up, I'm not allowed to feel that way. However, it doesn't go away. You're still, a, deep down, you're still afraid and you're still needy. You you just can't tolerate feeling that way because it's obviously going to make your parent not love you. So what happens is uh, you just cut it off, but it still, it still exists. So it then comes up as this intense, overwhelming trigger. Like it threatens your very lifeline. So as an adult, whenever you feel like an intense, uh, or or the threat of neediness coming into the picture, it will instead be converted into a really overwhelming trigger, like as though you're going to explode. It'll be like PTSD where you feel like panicky and like just an intense urge to get to safety or rid yourselves of the threat and the source of this feeling, which is your, your relationship. So sometimes that shows up as anger and rage toward the threat. Sometimes it shows up as fear and just dissociation, like you just leave your body and you you go into like a panic mode. But whatever happens, you will be drawn to things that represent the alleviation of the feeling of panic. So in other words... Whatever brings distance and safety is the thing you are looking to that you're like, that looks good. Like blowing up my relationship, that sounds awesome. It feels better just because it means you're cre- it's the bringing the prospect of distance. So sometimes that's even cheating. Even if you don't want to cheat, your your body is telling you to do it because it's like it's going to bring relief. It's like you're basically hitting a button that will reset distance and bring immediate um, relief of the anxiety. And that is why it's confusing as a signal. Because you can't feel while wh- what it's coming from, why it feels good, or why it feels better. Because it's something that's terrible. And you're like, I don't want to hurt people. But it's, it's contradictory in like, it's something you want, but it's also something you don't want. You might actually in your brain want a happy relationship with a partner long term. But in reality... You are acting in ways that blow up that life into tiny itty bitty pieces, ensuring that you are so far away from that commitment, because the commitment is the part that makes you you feel incredibly, um, like your skin is crawling and you're going to explode. So this misalignment in what you want and what you do is a big giant bouncing arrow in the sky that is pointing to unresolved trauma. You have memories that are not properly integrated in your brain. Your head movies don't play right. They're instead those fragmented clouds of imagery and feelings we discussed earlier. So if that sounds like you, you owe it to yourself to see a therapist. With all three of these husky breeds, I would say, really owe it to yourself to see a therapist. You likely are rationalizing your own behavior and weaving a story around it right now that seems the most logical. Because that's only human. You wanna when you watch yourself doing something, you conclude it must be because blank it must be because I'm just this type of person. But it's uh, the most important takeaway for any of these is if you find yourself in loops, it's because you are in a traumatic reenactment. Out of control and distressed equals your memories, your head movies aren't playing right. You don't have all of your memories integrated enough to know what they are. So. Regardless of what breed of husky you are, I want you to know what, what's most important for you to know is you still do crave love and intimacy. That need still exists. The, that need doesn't go away ever. Hence the reason you probably keep trying again. You probably keep coming back around and trying to get back into a healthy relationship again and again. And that is the reason it's really worthwhile to work on this issue. Because ultimately, you will be so much happier. It will give you such a more rewarding life. So if you are a bear cub, I'm not going to go into as much depth, but I wanted to give you a little bit of the shorthand into your why. First, I want you to entertain the idea that you have a higher tolerance for taking shit than others do. You, you are good at sustaining on crumbs. And that comes from a place of feeling that Things are your fault, that it's because of you, that you aren't good enough somehow, that you aren't lovable enough somehow, that you have to work hard to make others like you. And that is likely from a childhood role of caregiver, or um, maybe you were a tiny adult. Maybe you were invisible to your parents somehow. There's a chance that you have some trauma around loss as well. And that could be another motivating factor for staying in these kinds of relationships, aside from turning it, turning it in on yourself and saying, it's because of me, and why don't they like me enough? Just as with the Huskies, you can look at this as a traumatic reenactment. You are resetting a stage from earlier on in your life because it's a familiar position to be in in a relationship. It feels right. It feels correct. So you're likely resetting a stage to try and earn the love of a caregiver, to be seen by them and understood and finally earn the love you craved. So it's like trying to make the past right by casting people in the same parts in the present, but you're, all, you're doing it totally unconsciously. So the most important takeaway I want to give you is when it comes to dating, moving forward, you need to really own your needs. You have to claim your wants, wholeheartedly, and confront the red flags as soon as they come up. And if you can do that, you will avoid the situation again. The key is really to speak what you want with authority and not sacrifice it or shove it aside because you're afraid of letting go. Because ultimately, the outcome is the same. It just means you're spending a week versus a year of your life. So for both the Cubs and the Huskies, the good news about this why is that if you see a negative pattern happening and you want to have a different pattern in your life, then you can grow that capacity for tolerance and for change. It just takes a, work, a lot of work in therapy, and it can be done. Even if you're 90 years old and you've lived this way your entire life, it can be done. But it, it takes deciding it. So with that, let's get to part three, the how, the tools. Okay, this might sound like a cop-out, but to the Huskies, I really want to stress that this work needs to be done with a therapist. I have some cursory starting point tools, but your type of trauma needs attention that requires a supportive, objective party. So you can move through it a lot faster regardless with a therapist. I think you can do a lot of progress on your own. You make a lot of progress on your own, but it's really, really well worth it to find the right guide, the right Guru, and that's my way of saying i I don't have a lot of tools I could offer you here because quite simply, it's really hard to get at these things without assistance, without somebody to bounce off of. It can be really overwhelming and scary and can it's not like integrated in a way that helps you sometimes it just feels like making yourself depressed <laughs> to go through you know old stuff so i I'm a huge fan of therapy, highly recommend it um If you don't want to go there yet, then I would suggest buying a book on the topic, a vague topic related to something in your childhood, um, specific to parents. So, like, unavailable parents would be a Google topic, um, or angry parents, etc. So that said, I have some really basic tools I want to offer you. The first one is, like, help me be mean, like, 101. This is, like, the first step for anybody really, but this is a tool called naming. It's really simple. Um, bef- before I go into this exercise, I want you to also get a journal and just start to begin to have to create a practice of writing down all emotional responses you have to pain in as many words as you can. And this process just really helps calm your body and also helps you grow an increased understanding of what's going on inside you. Because I'm assuming right now it's very vague and amorphous, like you can't identify a lot. So it starts a practice of being able to release and build a language that is healthier for you than what's probably trapped inside. And research shows that writing in a journal can lower your physiological response to uh, intense emotions. So anyway, the tool naming is when you are finding yourself acting out of alignment with what you want to feel and what you want to do, that is a moment I want you to remember just to simply call out any and all words that could possibly relate to the feelings that are going on inside of you. And if you can't think of any, like if you don't have that vocabulary, start with angry, sad, scared, mad. Just pick one of those. You could add lonely, just and it, as soon as you can think of one of those that's let's say I pick mad then i can then I want you to think of what are other descriptors that come out of that that category? So I might say, I might say frustrated, I might say hot. i must I might say um, uh, clenched. just it's all about just calling out whatever words make sense for how you feel. The reason that this is helpful is it actually alleviates the feeling and it puts, it puts you in your other side of your brain. It takes you from the emotional side, puts you in your left brain. Um, and that's where you can get a little bit more calm and you, you actually can take command of your emotions in the future better because it helps you start to separate from them when they are filling your body. That's the first tool. Second tool I have is kind of for both groups, I guess, but it's, it's more for the Huskies. This is a, I want you to start a mindfulness um, practice. And I'm going to call this one safe holding. So this is for training your focus. I want you to begin to build an internal safe place for you in your mind to go to place you can access when you are in turmoil externally so let's think of a visual right now together you're gonna to think of something that's personal to you um, some some visual or some icon of, a pl- of something that feels soothing safe welcoming hopeful calming a visual a person a memory and let's say for me it's gonna be my grandmother's house I'm just gonna picture being there Whenever you feel like you're in an emotionally overwhelmed state or you feel like you are in a state of running or acting against yourself, mentally I want you to practice pausing, cal- like just hitting the pause button, stopping whatever you're doing, and sitting in a quiet position, just breathing slowly, and visualizing this place or this thing, whatever it is. And additionally. Putting your hand over your heart, and one hand over your belly, and just breathe really slowly. Just as often as you can, I want you to practice getting into this state, um, just so you can familiarize yourself with it. This is a really nice way of being there for yourself when you're in any kind of emotional hardship. But specifically, it's a way for you to teach yourself where to mentally go when your brain is not obeying or your brain is going in a in like zigging and zagging. So this is kind of like the safe zone. This is, it's like, I want you to do reps where you mentally put yourself there and try and train yourself to stay in that emotional, calm place. Just, let's say, for a minute. All right, cool. And the next tool I have for the Huskies is just a mantra. When you have um, an emotion that makes you want to run, I want you to actually move closer to it. This is how you kind of start the process of disproving um, the emotions that are potentially old. And that is by actually leaning into them, examining the texture of them. So the mantra is stay. I just want you to say to yourself, stay. In the moments you feel like an intense urge, it's actually an opportunity to increase your understanding of your shit. And it actually loses the power it has over you when you decide to go toward it. So remember, feelings are not literal things. They're just fleeting. They're connected to all sorts of weird things. They're not tied to necessarily today right now. So approach it and don't withdraw. That is how you start to like actually take control over them. The mantra again, stay. Cool. The next tool is uh, also for Huskies. It's called Remodel the Bay Windows. So I want you to think of your, your window of tolerance for, let's say, relationships or intimacy as something that can just grow a little tiny bit bigger. You can remodel it. You can put in some big bay windows. And to do that, I want you to start two practices, two new practices that will widen and increase your capacity for feeling your own emotions. So the first step might be finding a new therapist. Second step might be starting a new yoga class. So this widening thing is really about getting more attuned to your physical body. It's about tuning into what your emotions feel like in your body and knowing where they are happening, like what they're tied to, but also what part of your body they're in. You might have a disconnection to your physical body just because you haven't really placed value in that in that connect, spiritual connection to yourself before. So if, if you already do, do yoga and you already have a therapist, then I would say start a mindfulness practice or uh, go to a breathwork workshop or something like that whatever it is, you're just starting two new practices. This is really uh, about increasing your window of opportunity to choose a reaction instead of just reacting based off of what you normally would be triggered by. Um, And just for whatever it's worth, yoga and being in your body and really uh, paying attention to your body really helps regrow a connection to potentially what you don't have a connection to right now. Next tool, another one I've given quite a bit, and it's also a super basic one. This is for from Tara Brock. Highly recommend her books. Um, so this is for when repulsion comes up or when fear comes up or when anger comes up. The tool is just pause. It's a reflective technique, and it's basically when just to, to give yourself a, a tiny bit of a window like a moment of grace before you are triggered. All you have to do is take one 1,000 right after you are, like when you notice yourself going into that triggered state and just watch, just witness what's going through your body. See what, um, what feelings are coming up and don't do a thing. That's all you have to do is nothing. So this is about finding the place of non-reactivity where you can still Own your body and own your actions, and not be forced into something that doesn't align with what you want. Cool. The next tool is; these are all cool tools, guys. The next tool is for if you are a left-brainer, and this is called left toe tingles. So, if your right brain's asleep, uh, if you if you identified with that that husky scenario where you're really into rules and logic, and you can't really connect to your feelings. I want you to start to do a, let's say once a day, once every other day, a body scan meditation exercise to help you regrow uh, or strengthen your right brain, your connection to your right brain. So it's basically, I want you to close your eyes, sit in a comfortable seat and focus on intently on your left big toe. That's right. Your left big toe. I want you to picture it in space, think about what's around it, what's touching it, and any sensations you have around your entire foot. Um, Then I want you to move up your ankle and then up your calf, all on your left side, and think about how that feels. Any sensations, any tickles, any cramps, whatever it is, and then move up to your kneecap on your left side. Go all the way up the entire left side of your body up to your hip. And then I want you to picture your left and right leg and imagine both of them and see how they feel. Picture where they are in space in your mind. And that last step of the process is really about connecting to the other side of the brain and making this connection strengthened. All of this is po- totally poached from Daniel J. Siegel. Daniel J. Siegel is like a genius. He's like one of the best. If you're looking for some new self-help material, anything written by Daniel J. Siegel is worth it. The end. Um. So if, I'm going to put links in the show notes to any extra reading on this one, but that's just if you want to just stop listening and buy everything he's written, that would be a great idea. But let's keep going anyway. All right, cool. Uh, next tool I have is called brain dongles. So this is really for both groups, the huskies and also the bear cubs. If uh, I don't know if you know what a dongle is, dongles are those weird plug converters that allow you to connect, uh, let's say, a laptop to a various devices like a screen, like a projector or whatever. It's like a, you know, this this face to this to this interface kind of thing. I just like the word. So this is for when you have a response to something in your relationships that is potentially not serving you. I want you to picture you have a specific shaped plug on your face, on your entire face, and then your partner or the other person has another type of plug socket on their face. And so you both have different brain. You have different brains. And when... um. These two things connect, you have a relationship brain to brain. Things are working properly. If things are not working properly and they can't connect, it's because you don't have the right brain dongle. You need a brain dongle. So the next time you're in a moment that feels like it's misaligned with what it should be, like if you are acting in a way that doesn't fit, I want you to stop and ask yourself. Does this response seem logical? Does this response feel right about yourself? Am I acting in a way that sounds real? Like, does this seem realistic? Is this, is this logical? If not, you need a dongle. It's, if it doesn't fit, it's probably an old response. It's probably something that's coming from a totally different memory that you possibly can't identify yet. So that includes if something feels out of scale with what you expect. If you're feeling more upset than you would expect. If you feel angrier than you would expect. If you're feeling, if it doesn't line up, it's probably coming from somewhere else. Those are my husky tools. So now for the cubs. So the first tool is called shoddy, a.k.a. you're calling shotgun. When you want to sit in the front seat of the car, I I guess this tool is actually for both groups, but this is really for when you are starting to give away all of your power in a relationship. I want you to remember, shoddy, I got to call shotgun, stay in the front seat of the car. In other words, you have to stay open and you have to stay in control and clear. And that requires uh, staying in that receptive open state. You have to have access to your own power in order to steer this car and know where it's heading. So here's a test. I want you to close your eyes right now and just feel, scan your body. Think of all the sensations that are going through your chest and your body right now. And I want you to examine the difference in how these, I'm about to say two words, I want you to just examine the difference in how they feel. Yes! Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. So those are two different physical textures. And when we get into a reactive state, when we are feeling like we're attacked or we're victimized, we go, in, we go internal, we go concave, we, get, we are closed, we feel small, and we're defensive. That is when we are unable, that's when we hear the word no. It's a very closed word. That's when we are unable to access our wisdom and our own power. That's when you are not going to choose right. So you always want to, before you do anything, recognize am I in an open yes state or a closed no state. You always want to call shotgun. You always want to be in the front seat of your own car. So choose your life from the active, deliberate place. And that will lead you to smarter moves in your life, but in your relationships. So when you find yourself in the, in the hurt, reactive, upset, panicky, offended, feeling like it's our fault, feeling enraged, ashamed state, that is a closed state where you're only going to be doing defensive moves. You're, and you're not going to be able to think clearly. So whatever happens, your first job is just to take a break and reset so that you can feel yourself again and return to the open, clear, in-control, receptive state. So the shorthand version of this is just recognize when you are reacting instead of acting. Because when you're open, you're smarter. You're accessing the social part of your brain and not you're not in the primitive part of your brain. So if you're dealing with something emotional in a relationship, no matter what it is, even if you're not, let's say you're in a healthy relationship, if you're if you're triggered and you're you're in a defensive state, first things first, ask yourself, what state am I in? Yes or no? Am I in yes or no? If you're in the reac- if you're in a reactive state, ask to take a time out, just put pause on the, the conversation altogether, and just do some breathing, five minutes of breathing. So I hope that one helps. Next tool, um, I feel like you're going to roll your eyes because I give this so often. The love list. I want you to write, if, if you're not doing it already, I want you to write a list of everything you want in a partner, including things based off of this most recent relationship. I want someone that is that wants to give me lots of attention. I want someone that's there for me. I want somebody that wants to be around me all the time. Stuff like that. Really simple basic needs that you have put them on your love list i feel like so many of us talk ourselves out of that stuff and think like well but i you know i mean i'm cool i don't have to have all those things there are many people who who naturally do those things and they won't feel weird about it and they won't be put upon by it just the point is you have to look for those people instead of the people that that feel like you can't get them put them on the love list um Next tool, I've also given this one a lot, but I want you to do it. It's a journal exercise, the ritual promise. So right now, in your journal, I want you to make a commitment to yourself to go all in on what it is you want and in a partner and what you're looking for in a partner. Basically say, like, I won't put myself through hell again. I promise I will not ignore red flags. I will not tolerate less than behavior, and I will stand up for myself, and I'll walk away if it's not the relationship I'm looking for. And this sounds silly, but I want you to end this ritual promise by something c- c- ceremonial, you know, like blow out a candle, give yourself a hug, cheers yourself with a glass of wine, and mean it. So I know that was a lot of information. I really hope it helps you guys. And before I close, I really want to thank my latest sponsors. I have so many new, amazing, awesome sponsors. Um, And you guys help you directly contribute to all of the research that goes into this podcast. And I appreciate you all so much, including all of my consistent monthly donors. I mean, I don't know if I could do this without you guys. Ashley, thank you so much for your very generous donation. Nicholas, also Huge donation. Thank you so much. Stephanie, a new Patreon supporter. Thank you. Thank you. Cheryl and Abby, amazing, generous, new, uh, continuous sponsors. Love you. Thank you so much. Uh, And in closing, this is for the Huskies. um, You have to know yourself inside and out before you can be able to be close to another person. So with, when you can tolerate yourself and feel em- empathy for yourself, you are empowered to be loved by somebody else. Like you can actually get closer to somebody else when you have a complete understanding of why you are the way you are. So there are some really concrete, totally normal, practical ways of working on reintegrating your brain so that your actions are aligned with your behavior. It's not like a terrifying process. It's just a very pragmatic thing. It's just like sorting. you got to go through and sort so that things aren't so confusing or mystifying and so that you can actually act according to what you want for your, for your future and you're not driven by the panic or the confusing emotions. You can be happy. And you're missing out on a lot of, of greatness that can be in your life and you're living out an identity that doesn't have to be yours. So. If you have some question marks about yourself, you owe it to yourself to find the right kind of help. And that part is probably the worst of all of it. It's just doing the searching and having to meet strangers and sitting down with people you don't like and having to tell the same story a couple times before you have the right person. But it's so worth it. Um, and at the very least, start by buying the book Mindsight by Daniel J. Siegel or The Self-Sabotage Cycle. I can't remember the author of that one, but I'll put links in the show notes. And Go for it. I mean, it's, it's so worth it. It's so worth it, and it's not as scary as you think it will be. For the bear cubs, this is what I want to tell you. The la- let this be the last time that you repeat this loop, because things don't have to be this hard. Relationships can be simple and straightforward and not confusing, and they can be easy and fun. It just means you have to choose deliberately, from the start to choose based on someone that works and that aligns with you and you won't have to work so hard or struggle for love that just remember that is the circle of the target i am aiming for and just commit to that for your next relationship it all starts with the decision to go for it and then it's just like sorting it's all a numbers game it's just about getting on all the apps you know filling out the profiles swiping and swiping and swiping and going on dates as much as possible it's just but it, it, at the end of the day it'll choose you it's just like finding the right house or finding the right job or you know the perfect pair of shoes it's like just know what you're looking for and then look aggressively and it shouldn't be a fight to get attention and love and closeness. You should definitely get more than crumbs. So whatever group you're in, I really hope this helps you and that you get get a little bit more clarity on yourself um, and hopefully hope and peace of mind. So thank you. And if uh, if you got a lot out of this show or if you have in the past, please consider a monthly donation. They help a lot. You can head to yaywithme.com. Um, and if you don't have the means to make a donation, consider a review on iTunes because those help me immensely as well, um, or how a heart on SoundCloud even. And if you know someone who could be helped by this, please share it. And as always, I send you my love, and don't forget to smile.